Welcome to the Cup of Nurses Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Cup of Nurses Podcast with your hosts, Matt Slarchik and Peter Fendero. Today, guys, we're going to talk about travel nursing as our experience. So this is going to be all subjective coming from Chicago to here. And we're just going to talk about how we did things, how the hospital treated us and what we th- thought of the overall experience. Yeah, we're going to compare some of the stuff we went through at home as a staff nurses compared to us traveling. But before we start, uh, just want you guys know, we just started a Facebook group. So we'll go ahead and tune into that. Uh, take a look, have some discussions. We'll Cup have of some, nurses. We'll have some stuff posted there for you. And then also we have a checklist that's coming out or it's going to be out right now. So it's going to be called the Travel Nursing Guide. So there's going to be a link below wherever you guys are listening or go on coupleofnurses.com and there's going to be a Travel Nursing Checklist Guide there for you to download to get the whole checklist of what to do to become a travel nurse and a cool checklist of what you have to pack before you leave. So you guys might really like that. Yeah, when we started becoming travel nurses, we didn't really have a checklist and we kind of just... Um, did what we thought we had to do, kind of unorganized. So we figured we'd have a nice organized checklist for you guys. So if you guys do want to start travel nursing, you know you have a nice, nice guide to go with. Yeah, especially how information is—it's all over the web. We have a nice um, package, right. perfect package of what you need to know, straight to the point. Just right. so you're not looking around. There's a lot to do, and it's a lot simpler if you had a checklist. Yeah, and also we started. Um, what did we start? The Facebook group. The Facebook group. Yeah. So we started that. Um, I mentioned it before. We'll oh, into it. this is it. So if you guys are listening on YouTube, we actually have the video without the green screen, and we're kind of showing how our background of the neighborhood looks. So if you guys want to tune in on YouTube and check that out as well. Right, and that's some cool new shirts as well. They're pretty nice. Yeah, not for sale yet. So anyways, uh, background. Before travel nursing, we could kind of talk about our experience as staff back in Illinois. And personally, I would say it's a little bit more homey, more welcoming, right? You kind of are used to the same coworkers. So I got, I feel like I got used to when I was like in a bubble before I um, left the hospital. What do you think? Yeah, it's a more natural environment. You kind of like find your habitat. You know, you know everybody. They know you. What are you, a fish? Habitat? <laughs> Reptile, I guess. Reptilian. <laughs> no. But you kind of find, like you said, it's more homey, more home because you know, you've known everybody for, you know, two years, one year, and you kind of, you kind of bond and you kind of know how to communicate, you know, how to do things together as a group. Yeah, not, not only from nurses, but also physicians. So you have some NPs and PAs that you know that will allow you to do certain things. Like, let's just say I'm contacting, there's, there's a PA that's on and I have to, I need a CBC, BMP. I need some labs in the morning. It's 3 a.m. Am I going to call her? I know who she is. I'm just going to type them in and I know she'll approve of them and I'm not going to get any, like, you know, drawback from that. Yeah, that's what I found really beneficial when you have like a home-based hospital that you can go to. Because here, I'm not, I wasn't sure if I could put in like lab orders by myself. Like, can I put them in per protocol, or do I actually got to call them? Do they get mad? And what do they like ordering? You know, because each physician has like their their specific orders that, that they like doing. They like doing things a specific way. And here, you don't really know how to do that. But back home, you get into routine. You kind of know what orders to throw under people instead of calling them. Yeah, but in general, I feel like here in this hospital there's less autonomy. So there's a lot of more things that I did before that I can't do here. And I'm like, oh, you guys can't do that? For example, I had a patient that was coughing up and she needed to get like OG suction. And I couldn't put a little, you know, the suction, uh, took a deep suction. I needed an order for that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I was like, 
But I did take the nurse and before she was asking, do you, do you need an order for that? I'm like, no, you don't, let's go. So I just deep suctioned the patient, this patient felt better, it was 2 a.m., there's no need to call doctors, we got it done. After the fact, I realized you needed an order for that. I'm like, well, that is what it is, patient feels better, let's move on. Yeah, I had the same experience, like my patient had to get suctioned too, and the charge is like, yeah, you gotta call the physician. And I was like, okay. So first time I called it, you know, he, he said to go ahead and do it. And the next time I had him, I didn't really call. I didn't really put any orders. I just, I just did it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's kind of like my own, my own practice. I didn't think that was big, big of a deal, but I don't know. Patient's fine. You know, everyone's fine. <laughs> exactly. Even like on the lines. So we have like peripheral lines, the central lines. And there's like these little green caps that you put on all the tubings and lines in order to prevent um, infections. So... Back in our hospital in Illinois, I only put them on central lines that we were supposed to use. These guys here, they require a cat green cap for everything, even peripheral IVs, which I thought it's wasteful. But personally, sometimes I forget to uh, store some alcohol swabs with me. So I'm like, yes, I, I don't, you know, I found some. I don't need to swab anything because the port's right there, the cap. Right, as positives and negatives. We didn't find out about those caps until like two weeks ago where we actually got our um, checklist when you travel the hospital gives like a checklist on, on how to do these certain procedures or what the policies are. And we didn't get that till like what, like week number six. There's a straight up orientation checklist that they give to you to do like tests to get signed off on every little thing you would at a hospital. And I think it was like at least 80 pages plus. And they emailed it to us like the second week. No one knew about it because we don't check emails on like on a contract compared to our actual job, home jobs. Yeah, and it wasn't even even able to print. Like they, they told us like, sorry for inconvenience because you weren't able to print the checklist. Yeah. So there were some, some issues with that going on as well. Uh, but it would have been helpful beforehand. Like even with like chest tubes, like yeah, I, I deal with chest tubes like my whole nursing career and here they're completely different. You know, they're completely different chest tubes that what I'm used to. And it would have been nice and, and handy if I had to check this ahead of time. Yeah, the, the chest tubes that are here, when you're breathing in and breathing out, they don't rise, that bubble doesn't rise. You can't tell if there's like an air leak as much as with these um, newer systems. Yeah, it's interesting. It would have been helpful, but whenever you get through it, you learn as you go, I guess. Week six. What week is this? Week seven, right? It's week seven, guys. We kind of flew through this, to be honest. It was fun, right? What do you think? Oh, super fun. Yeah, you learned a lot. I like that it was union-based. I think that's why everyone is kind of iffy on being autonomous, because as union-based hospital, everyone has their uh, job description written out, and that's kind of what they got to follow. That's kind of their scope of practice, compared to like non-union hospitals. You know, you, you do certain things that that you know, might not be exactly in your school practice, but a physician allow you to do it anyways. Yeah, because when I floated on telly and the, the ER wanted to send up a patient on a cardizam drip, which is usually you have to titrate it and titratable drips usually don't come down to telly. The charge nurse is like, it says in the contract that we do not titrate drips. If the patient is stable with that whole, that same dose over the whole entire night, we'll take the patient. Other than that, they can't come here. Hmm. So that's kind of crazy too, where they know what they can and can't do, and they kind of push for things. Right. So there's a lot of backbone support. Another thing, let's just say there was a very abusive uh, physician. Normally we just brush that off here. Here, the nurses kind of stood up for themselves and they reported it to the supervisor. And when I was calling that, that physician, they're like, hey, there's been a lot of complaints about him. If he verbally abuses you, let me know. I'll, I'll take it up the chain of command. Really? So you can't be acting how you want to act as a physician, which is kind of cool because some of them are dicks. Yeah, I'm like I've had uh, occurrences, not me personally, but I, I've heard different stories about physicians like at home from Illinois that give nurses a lot of lip for no reason. And we've actually have reported physicians, you know, back in Illinois, 
so I've had the experience of doing that because sometimes you gotta put them in your in their place. You know, like they have they have bad days outside of work, and they also tend to bring it bring it inside, and they kind of judge um, every. They some physicians tend to judge every nurse as kind of some almost as like incompetent, or they have like a god complex where they're they like, always right. They think they know what's right, and they want to do what they want to do no, no matter what. They like belittle us. A physician usually belittles a nurse because they think. That degree means something, which it does. But in reality, we could be just as smart as you, and we could actually be helpful if you listen to us. Right. I mean, they don't believe, belittle us all the time, but there is occurrences where you're just like, like, dude, what's your problem? Yeah. Like, you know, like, hey, how about you relax? Or like the previous job. Here, we, I don't have issues with um, when I, we have to consult the doctor that usually gets taken care of very nice. We had an issue in our hospital in Illinois where it's physician to physician when you're in the ICU. And physicians used to just leave it up to us to make the consult. And sometimes I would message the the hospitalist or whoever put in the consult, like, hey, by the way, it's ICU to, oh, it's physician to physician. Why don't you go call the doctor? I ain't going to do it. And there's a lot of pushback. Really? This is the first time I heard that. I'm like, okay. It's been it's policy, man. Yeah, I think the consults kind of um, are kind of like, like a, um, like a, I don't know. There are, some of them are complicated, some of them are not. You could say, for me, when I need to consult somebody, I just send a text page and be like, hey, you've been consulted by, by this physician. And they, they're usually pretty good about talking to the physician themselves. The only time where, for me, the physician, or the only time for me where there wasn't a physician, physician contact is like at night, when you just put somebody on a consult, they obviously haven't seen the patient. It's like, you know, 11 o'clock. Yeah. They didn't get consulted during the day for some reason. And then, like, you got to... They just consult the cardiologist, and it's a cardiac issue. So obviously, I'm gonna call the cardiologist, and I, and I gotta give them the background, tell them right. what's, what's going on, because I'm not gonna have the attending call the cardio- cardiologist at 11 o'clock, you know, so they could talk. I'm just gonna do do my own business and get the problem taken care of, and then they could talk about it in the morning. Yeah, so working nights in general, like the whole dynamic is uh, changed because you have to basically troubleshoot more things on your own, and you have to make that decision where you want to call the doctor or not. Just like about any little thing. Like imagine calling a doctor and asking for a freaking Tylenol at 3 a.m. Right. And <laughs> You're just fly. like, hey, sorry, doc. Like it's 3 a.m., but I need a Tylenol. And that sucks. But sometimes what I like to do is I like to do different things before I had to do that. So maybe some ice packs, some heat therapy, you know, repositioning a little bit. I'll try to avoid, not that I'm not taking care of the patient, but sometimes I'll avoid calling a doctor to see if we could do other things because I know that that patient probably could benefit from my little interventions you know right like the patient has his own wants and needs and you kind of got to got to gauge on what do you want to take on yeah like you know if if um, like they have pain and like the elbow but maybe ice works then just give them the ice pack you know have them have the ice pack the whole night and then deal with it in the morning compared to calling some doctor for th- for you know three in the morning for Tylenol when you technically didn't really need it you could use the ice pack it would have saved you some time too you know so things like that but I did call once a doctor really late on this contract for switching Tylenol to ibuprofen because the patient had elevated um, liver enzymes and as you know Tylenol gets only broken down in the liver and I'm like why the heck have they haven't figured out they've been giving this patient Tylenol when, when they came in for abdominal pain secondary to um, like liver disease so I called him I'm like hey doc check this out he's like okay what are liver enzymes he's like oh okay what's a creatinine because creatinine is kidney function okay that's fine let's do ibuprofen instead so I called and I'm straight up. I'm like, hey, this is a situation. I want to get this. And the doctor doesn't even have to do the thinking for, for them or for you because you already did it, which is cool. So Yeah, especially like at night. If you like autonomy and like to think through things um, before, ask, it's before you know, taking it a step above you, that night shift is definitely for you. Like, you know, a lot of times at night shift, you know what's going on and these physicians don't want to be bothered. So you kind of, 
you learn on what you need when. Like when you called, you provided him already with the Korean and the and LFTs. Yeah. You know, so he already knew you. You knew what you wanted and you knew how to get it, and you just you did the steps that you used to. Yeah. It's that simple. You kind of learn what what you need and what you got to do to get these orders from physicians. Sometimes they'll give you some pushback, be like, "No, I I think this is right." Then you're just like, "Whatever, I, I guess that's right," and then I'll call you back if something else happens. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how it is. If night shift is definitely good for autonomy, and if you like doing things yourself and like critical thinking, thinking, if you're like a like like a loner. And rather just deal with it yourself and, and think through it. Night shift is the way, the way to go, and you're gonna build that knowledge eventually over time. Yeah. And if you need that moral support because you're very iffy about your decision making, then day shift is probably easier because there's so much more resources they could reach out to. Just like if there's something like like chest pain, like that's gonna be troubleshooted really quick compared to us, where you know, check all the doctors, should I do an EKG, just a lot of crap. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about the contract. So. Sure. Well, how about we talk about like the health streams first? Well, that's part of the contract, though. Yeah. Because like as, as a staff nurse, you still have like these online modules in your staff position that the hospital requires you to do. And there's some police in the background. If you guys could hear it, but yeah, Oakland gets a little, especially our neighborhood gets a little active. It's very loud. The darker it gets, and it's it's, it's interesting sometimes. But yeah, but even so, white boys in a nice ghetto neighborhood, <laughs> yeah, guys. It's, it's, yeah, it's, cool. it's fun. It's a good experience. I, yeah, we we made a hella storylines mm-hmm. behind oh, this ambulance coming through. Yeah, but I'd help out, but I'm off the clock. <laughs> oh, yeah. So at your staff job, you're still gonna have to do like the online coursework. Um, the CB, they call it CBTs for us, and it's just kind of um, continuing ed- yeah, education. It kind of updates you on the policies, updates you on, on how things should, should be done, and kind of what's new. And you also got to do them, I guess, as a travel nurse, yeah. which we didn't find out that they were required. We did do them during one day of orientation. We did had eight hours to do our, our like the health streams, which are the online edu- education stuff. But no one said it was required. Um, it was a little bit of poor communication that we'll, we'll touch on a little bit later yeah. in, a, in a podcast. Um, but yeah, you definitely got to do those as well. And those are kind of probably the most annoying things in the world. And they're like basic stuff like, oh, sexual harassment, how to, you know, report it, cell phone policy, like little stuff that tells you about the hospital. And like, dude, it takes sometimes like 16 hours. So we did only half of them. And now our manager's like, you better get them done before the contract ends. Yeah. And we sent our text, she never wrote back. So we're kind of standing our ground firm and we're not going to get them done unless they tell us to come in and we get paid for it because right. they said they already paid us for the hours, the beginning of the week, but that's kind of booty. So yeah, it's. I think there's a big lack of communication with our contract. We had we had a few issues that will that will go over, but the manager of the of the unit was actually on leave, so she didn't get back till week six of our contract. So we haven't met her until like last week. So you know we, we haven't, haven't met her yet. They did. Veronica. Oh, we haven't met her. We haven't. We, haven't, we met the assistant manager. We haven't even met the actual manager yet. And we're already six yeah. weeks deep in this, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's crazy. Like, there's a horrible lack of communi- communication that I just don't think it's fair. And like Matt said, we're gonna stand on our ground on these on yeah. health streams because no one ever said they're mandatory. They just say, hey, do as much as you can in this eight-hour time frame, and you know, and that's it. Now the contract endings. All of a sudden, there's all these requirements, guys. Well, yeah, you, you know gotta what? sign your checklist. You know, gotta do this. Gotta do that. And like, it's not fair if you think about it. If the staff nurses have six months to do these health streams and they expect us to crunch it out in eight hours. Like that's completely not fair. Right. Like I want more than eight hours to do this or either send me it before I, I, I get the job so I can do them ahead of time or, you know, give me like a day a week or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, but contract wise, so we like the weekly pay. That's really cool yeah. guys. So we get like a weekly pay every single Friday Basically, all we have to do is just fill out a timesheet, which is the hours worked, what unit we worked on. We send it out to our travel um, agent via email, and Dixon just sent out us a nice check every yep. single week. See so the check balance grow. 
every Friday. Yeah. But what went into finding this this job? Uh, we had we were kind of picky for the most part because we wanted the same job in the same hospital. Yeah. We wanted to go as as, a, as like a team. Um, so a lot of times hospitals don't really don't really care about that. But you know, they accommodated for us. Our agent did a really really good job of finding us the same hospital and the same unit to work at. You know, so we did take probably a little bit of of a pay cut compared to the other paying jobs here um, in Northern California. But we kind of settled for it because we were okay because we'd be together. It would be a good experience for it us. It was the first contract, so we said, why not? And especially we have been applying to for like a good month and a half. We're just like, dude, this is not working out. Because I think Cali is a really hard time to land a contract. Yeah, it's, it's very, um, the cost of living here is more. So obviously the, the income is more. So a lot of people want to come here to you know, Make to the, work. reap the benefits mm-hmm. and then go back to their hometown. Yeah, but and even the, the whole licensure process process took us like you know it took Matt like a month and a half, two months, yeah. and it took me a little longer because they had those transfer issues that I, that I had to resend. But we eventually got it. But for the most part, it was hard. It's hard to find a contract because one competition and two we wanted we were very specific on what we wanted to do and we wanted to go in this together. Yeah. And then housing was a, was another issue uh, where housing is more expensive here. Because like a once a, like I said once again the cost of living is higher so you can either Airbnb it and that's pretty pricey so the best way to go is private and plus it was an eight week contract compared to a thirteen week contract so you can't lease yeah so you can't they, people won't lease it to you because you're such a short short time frame they're better off you know having somebody for you know four months instead of you know the two months that we were here and if you do hotels by day it kind of adds up and it's not really worth it no. so you gotta you gotta be a proactive person to find housing for yourself to be honest. In order to get the most money out of your um, the contract, contract, most yeah. take home, you gotta do due diligence, DIY, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff like that. Um, but we still we were okay with the pay because it was twice as much as what we made um, in our staff positions, yeah. which is cool. And um, we did get the night shift that we wanted to, but unfortunately, it was an eight-hour shift, which we were kind of um, four there, days a week instead of three, yeah, which we were kind of you know iffy about. We're just like you know screw it, it's eight hours. Worst case scenario, if we hate our job, it's only eight weeks, we'll, we'll stick it out. You're getting paid double and you're working 32 hours a week. Like yeah. You cannot freaking complain. And at Union, so that's it, pretty cool too. Yeah. And yeah, in a contract, like they break down like your whole pay, your stipends, you know, the hours you're required to work, what will happen if, if they call you off. Yeah, and, like that's, that. and that's one thing I didn't know that kind of sucks that I learned in the contract. There's some cancellation fees that you might have to pay for the travel agency, not the hospital. So... I worked seven days in a row, and I was supposed to work my eighth day in a row, and the hospital called me and told me, hey, you can't work more than seven days in a row because we have to pay you overtime. So they canceled my shift, and I asked my recruiter, and they said, I'm not gonna get paid the hourly rate. So I lost eight hours of pay, right? Hourly pay, and then there was a $160 fee because I missed a shift. So that kind of tapped into my stipends one of those weeks, which sucks, but usually contracts, when you signed, she told me that they have like this policy where they could call you off at least twice. And then the third time they can, so you get paid full. So you have to be on the lookout with your contract and make sure you never sign a contract that says they have an unlimited uh, ability to cancel you. Yeah, as travel newbies, we didn't really know to look for something like that until Matt got canceled and we're like, hey, what happens now? Like, do I not get my stipends? Like, how much do I get paid? And we kind of learned uh, the hard way, you know? But luckily, it, uh, it did. Uh, say in our contract that we get called off twice. Yeah. And then the third time, if they get called off, we get the full the full pay. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's not, I mean, that's not bad. I think that would be kind of more beneficial over 13 weeks. I feel like you might get called off once or twice over a 13-week period compared to an eight-week period. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. We had a little bit of issues with our contracts, like over, overall, um, 
but we kind of got them figured out. We're actually still figuring a few things out. I think the, comes the to close. yeah, the worst contract, the worst issue with the contract that we probably experienced with is that we signed the contract till the 9th of July. And we just found out that the hospital knew that it's till the 6th and so did the agency. So they messed up our dates and we told them straight up like, you guys gotta compensate us for that. So that's still being worked out to see what are we gonna get paid for that. Yeah, you gotta be adamant. If you have a contract, it's a, it's a written contract that you sign. So this is what you sign up for. You know, we didn't sign up for, for the, to end the 6th, we signed up to end the 9th. Yeah. Because if we knew it would have been the 6th, we probably would have accommodated and would have made our rent a little cheaper, would have our would have had our stay here three days shorter compared to where it is now. So you kind of got to be adamant, don't let them like push around because I'm sure if we were just like, okay, yeah, it's fine, we wouldn't have got reimbursed. We didn't get reimbursed yet, but we're pushing for something because it is, it is, it is unfair. It's, it's almost like a voided contract at this point if you yeah. think about it. You know, another issue with not really the contract, but the hospital itself was getting floated a lot. Census has been really low at their hospital, and I've, me and Matt, have been floated maybe like seventy-five percent of the time. Seventy-five for sure. I Easy, barely work in the ICU. Yeah, like I'm more familiar with the with the tele and mentor floors compared to the ICU. Yeah, so we've been literally we signed up for ICU, and we literally have been working mostly med surge. So I feel like I'm forgetting my skills out here, even though I knew I'm not going to get the most sickest patients because I'm a traveler. It's just been all med surge. Yeah, I've, I came here to you know not only make money, but gain some kind of um, experience in the ICU, especially because my past, I've just done a cardiac ICU. This is a general ICU. So certain things I, I did, I wasn't really familiar with, and I was hoping to gain, gain some knowledge on, on top of that. And that hasn't really worked out. The knowledge that I have gained is maybe a little bit more time management, because I've never worked med surge. I've never had more than two pati- three patients in, in my life, um, compared to like four or five here. And I've been doing a bunch of admissions, with which I'm not really happy about. But I've um, let my chargers know, be like, "Hey, I've been doing like an admission, you know, like twice a week for the past yeah. like four weeks. Like, hey, can I not get admissions?" And, and they did accommodate. I haven't had too much admissions ever since then. That's pretty cool. One thing I do like about working this metric floors that I I excited one year of ortho, so I'm familiar. I used to get six patients, sometimes even seven, and that was a freaking train wreck. So here, the most you could have is five because of the California Union. And one cool thing is they have like these little pagers, which we didn't have in the hospital. So if a patient needs something, they literally call you on this little device and like, hey, what do you need, Smith? I need some water, I need some ice. So like, you don't gotta go to the patient's room, answer the call, like find out they need ice, walk your happy ass back to the dispenser, grab ice and walk back. So you're walking four times instead of twice. Because and then they you, want jello. And then they want jello. Hey, what about a popsicle? And you know, you don't got any. That's today, man. That's how it goes down, man. People get hungry at nights. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, the thing that I love most about this Union Hospital is definitely the relief nurses and your mandatory breaks. Yeah, like that's amazing. Ever since they implemented mandatory breaks, and I've seen Matt take a nap, I decided to take naps for 30 minutes as well on my breaks because that's so clutch. Like it's so refreshing. Yeah, especially you know, nights. Yeah, because you're hustling all the way to. I like I like take my breaks at around three, three thirty, like mid shift almost. And you know, you're hustling up until that time and then you get a nice break, 30 minutes, you go to sleep, you close your eyes, get a blanket, put your jacket on, it's warm, and you snooze for 30 minutes. And you come back and you're a whole different person. And that's awesome. And like your relief nurses, they will literally do stuff for you. They'll handle antibiotics, you know, they'll draw the blood if, if you need it. They'll literally take over exactly what you were doing. Check, and it's amazing. Check sugars, call the doctors. Like they're literally just replacing you and they're fully refreshed and they could yeah do things. Start IVs, it's awesome, I love it. Yeah, literally my patient had a stroke while I was on break and a nurse came in and be like, hey, not to worry, your patient just had a stroke. 
would finish a break, we're taking care of it, and then come back. And I was like, you know, thanks, but I'm gonna end my break early, and I'm just, I'm just gonna go because you know they'll literally take everything over for you, and it's really amazing. They're really helpful. Yeah, you know, what you also should share what happened like during that break when there was like a code. I think that's messed up, which you probably dislike the union for that. Oh yeah, that was they that have was crazy. to they have to pay overtime after eight hours. So they're really crazy about clocking you out. Even for me, I had a nurse on med surge that the tech told the, the nurse, hey, the blood pressure is like in the 70s. And the nurse looks at me, oh, I've been getting in trouble for clocking out late. So I'm gonna have to clock out. What? Take right, care of this shit. Case? This is your problem on your shift. And she clocked out not to take care of this. Like, yeah. what the, you know? Yeah, like a few weeks in, um, the, I pay, another patient coded. It was my patient, but someone else's patient. And it was literally mid code. And this code happened during a change of shift, so everyone's running in there. And we're coding the patient. I'm the only one that was ACL certified because I'm from the ICU and it's happened on a metric unit. So I'm like pushing meds, giving compressions while they're trying to intubate. And literally like 20 minutes into, into the code or 15 or however long that was, a nurse comes up to me and be like, hey, your relief is here, you could go clock out. You know, and that was, this was like during compressions. And while Peter's pumping her freaking body. And, and I, and I looked at her, clock out. I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm like yeah, because it's overtime. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right. So she took it for me. I walked out of the room and I clocked out. Looks like, you know, that's something. Everybody has a price. It looks like you and overtime is not worth it. You better hop yeah. off, that was get somebody else on there. No, they, I mean, they still did, did a good job with the code. They still took care of business, but I just found that uh, very interesting that is just straight relieved me during the code. It's like, a, it's like a culture shock because back in, back at home, like you're, st- you're staying with the patient and coding and helping out the whole entire time till you know you have to go or sometimes like oh, we got it don't worry just go home so it does happen but not as often right. and they're willing to pay the overtime in your staff position because like you're their staff you're not a traveler you're there forever potentially yeah but when it comes to working in 312s so you're only getting 36 hours a week technically you have to literally stay over every single day little by little in order to reach the 40 hour mark in order to even get overtime right. so they do have ways the hospital has ways in place for you to not go overtime usually that's pretty smart. Like if you think about that, like instead of having a four-day work week and having the potential for overtime, we'll just do a thirty-week or thirty-six-hour a week. We'll consider that full time, and then if you go above thirty-six, you still have that four-hour gap of forty, and we want to pay overtime. We just still get generally paid. That's how to take care of things, like especially in nursing, where you're always staying over the eight, over the twelve-hour mark. You know, because you got to give report, you got to finish some stuff up. So it's a 12 hour shift turned into like a 13 hour shift usually. Yeah. And we, we have to consider that unfortunate health care is a business. So there's things in place just as much as you're a nurse that's, you know, you have all this energy and compassion, you want to help people. Like there's just, there's resistance that you're going to meet in healthcare that's going to bother you. And unfortunately that's life because it's a business and the bottom line is you just have to worry about your own health. You, ha- you have to, as, even as patients, you guys have to start eating better, start doing things. Like, I'm going to freaking drill this shit on this podcast. But, like, it's, it's your own responsibility. Even when it comes to the doctor, I understand you, you're putting your trust into a doctor. But at the end of the day, it's just your responsibility. Yeah, but you're pushing that medication. If a doctor orders something, you know, you have a suspicion of not to do, don't do it, man. Yeah, but... I understand that part, but as a patient, it's your, your health is your own responsibility. Oh, as a patient, yeah, of course. Yeah. So if you're neglecting it, don't expect like shit is gonna get fixed in the hospital and you can go on your merry way. Like, right? If you're a freaking frequent frequent flyer and everybody knows you're there opioid seeking, like we're gonna not treat. No, I'm not saying we're gonna treat you poor, poorly, but it's you kind of lose our respect a little bit. Yeah, like there's like 
there's hospitals that like know which patients come in for what like there's a database just like um i think it's like specific prescription pills the ones that make uh that has um excedrin epinephrine the sulfa they can't buy walgreens anymore you You can't you can't only you can only go buy one pack per license per specific radius like the federal government tracks this shit down because I think you could actually distill it and make it into heroin or something. Yeah, or meth. Or something, yeah like something like that. Mm. So there's there's ways to get tracked. And if you're trying to like skew the system, you're going to get caught up. Yeah. <laughs> Just like this one guy that I had that he came in, he fell off a wheelchair and he can't feel his legs. And supposedly he's completely paralyzed, came in for some IV dilated and, you know, pain, 10 out of 10. I come back, <laughs> just chilling, sleeping. I'm like, okay. So, you know... I, I ask him, can you move your arms? He's like, barely. So then throughout the shift, all of a sudden he's helping me turn a little bit. And then at the end of the shift, he's like, hey, can you put my legs back in bed? And then I touch the legs and he put them back together. I'm like, okay, man, you're completely just drug seeking here. Yeah, we're working the system. Working the system. That's how it, that's how it is sometimes. Where that patient is always there for fluid overload, even though they have heart failure and you keep teaching them over and over again, you know, minimize your water, change your diet, and they're still there over and over again. And you're just like, dude, how much time am I gonna tell you the same thing over and over again? It just gets old. Oh, it gets old real quick. Yeah, we should touch up on a little bit of like the outside environment. Yeah, travel nursing. Probably the best part of travel nursing is being somewhere else, away from home, seeing new cultures, new languages, new people. It's just a whole new environment. It's probably the best thing I like about it. It is pretty cool because you get to experience a different city, learn something not only about that city but about yourself because you're literally outside a different stimulus. So you're able to take everything in and. Sometimes you were just stuck in such a routine and here you just it's everything's completely different You're just like, I don't know you it's a great It's a great way to take a look inside of the way you are if you really want to do it that way Yeah, it's a drastic change and I feel like it builds your resilience Really like a really significant amount because you're coming to a different environment whole new job You know, you don't know how anything is done here. You know, you don't know our neighborhood you don't know how it's gonna be like, you don't know your neighbors, and it's real fun, it's real cool. It's kinda of keeps you on your toes for a little bit. But what I like most about the era that we're at, it's literally like 15 minutes away from the gym, 15 minutes away from the city, and 15 minutes away from the outdoors and the trails. And I find that so amazing. Yeah, we're literally in a perfect center point of everything. Like, Target is like 0.5 mile, the gym is like two miles. There's food places, walking distance. You could literally just, get a backpack and drive somewhere for 15 minutes and go on a trail. I think that's awesome because you'll never be bored at home. We're by the Bay Bridge, so just go over that bridge and you're in San Francisco. You can have a night out over there and I, and I come back, you know. that's The traffic is a pain in the ass, but you could deal with, you kind of know what times that to go. Like you wouldn't want to go to a gym around five, seven o'clock. You'd rather go in the morning or two is probably the latest because then it gets trafficy. Yeah. But I like that you're in the middle and there's literally the outdoors and a city life within 15 minutes away. Yeah. What if somebody wants to travel as like a as a, like a single person? Do you think they are going to get bored being alone on this contract for 8, 13 weeks? Um, it depends. If you're like a busybody, um, you'll probably pick up a lot of overtime, I feel like, just because you're probably in it for the money if you're coming here alone. Yeah. Um, if you're a very bubbly personality and you can mingle well with coworkers and you find some good coworkers that you go, could go out with, that's actually gonna be really, really fun too. So it's kind of more of like a personality. Are you just in here just to come make some money and then leave? You're gonna take a different approach. And if you're here to visit, to be a, be a tourist as long as well as working, that's another different approach as well. Also, if you're like an extrovert, so if you're taking energy from like outside people, you're gonna be striving to find these relationships, these bonds. And if you're like an introvert, it's more of just coming inside, 
coming home, reading a book, just hanging out. So yeah, yeah. So overall, I really like this this, this area mm-hmm. for the most part. It's not the safest area, it's not, not the best. I think this area is the most, um, the crime wise, I guess, stuffed mostly. We haven't had any kind of issues with with, with anything. Um, when I looked up the map, I looked at um, what or you know, it's like pinkish to purple we're in a dark purple area so there's a lot of crime that happens around this time but yeah. it's also very condensed it's like petty theft it's petty uh, theft though it's not like murder or anything we're here in west oakland so it's not it's not too bad east side tends to get uh, a little worse than than, than what we currently are but it's yeah. been fun you know i can't complain i'll definitely do it again you think so mm-hmm. sometime in the future i i'm actually getting um little carrots being dingled in front of my face to do a contract in chicago and I have to, what I have to do is because I live in Chicago, I have to rent a hotel out for two days, three days a week in order to get my stipends and all that. So I've been considering that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So if you guys have any questions about travel nursing or want to reach out to us, um, learn a little bit more about how our experience was. If you're thinking about doing it, we'll definitely could guide you through the process. Like Matt said, we have a checklist coming out. Um, hopefully you'll find it valuable. And we, we love travel nursing. I think it was very fun. I think it's going to be out by the time this podcast is out. So you guys should go on couplenurses.com. It's going to be there. Just scroll down, um, travel nursing checklist. And all you have to do is just fill out some info and we'll send you guys that checklist via email. And if you guys want to network with us, talk with us, kind of BS, share some funny stuff, check out our Facebook group. We're kind of growing on that. So yeah. been a pleasure, guys. Pleasure. See you guys next week. Take, Take care. with Oakland.